Welcome to Bushido Bites, the way of the warrior, where we bring you Christ-centered character education and wisdom for personal development. This is Josiah Armstrong, founder of the School of Warrior Arts, and we're so excited to bring you and your family transformational resources. We're on a mission to pass on the faith to the next generation and raise up worshiping warriors. So get ready for today's training, and thanks for joining the fight of faith. All right, excited for the law of the inner circle. We've covered a lot of ground with different laws of leadership. Again, like any law of leadership or law of character or principle of character, listen to me, you have to choose it. All growth is an upward journey. It's hard. It's very easy to take the path of least resistance and do what's just convenient or just what's easy. Human beings are prone to be lazy. That's why we must do hard things. We must challenge ourselves. It's the only way we can grow. Do you know all throughout history, when communities or people become lazy and so used to comfort and luxury and having people do things for them, do you know that those people and those communities and those civilizations, those societies, get destroyed, overtaken, they decline, they implode. Laziness and comfort are the enemy to growth and progress. Hear me. Humans look for comfort. They want pleasure. They want what's easy. And there's a place for that. But let me tell you something. It can also be the very thing that kills you. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. When you don't use your muscles, do you know what happens? A thing called atrophy. Your muscles wither away. Your body needs resistance and the right amount of stress. It's how muscles grow. That's how bones get strong. Your mind, if your mind is not intellectually challenged, if you are not given problems to solve, projects to work on, literally your mind gets bored and you get literally stupid. <laughs> you literally grow weak in your thinking. And therefore, you grow in a, a, a type of weakness that hurts all of your life. Therefore, you need to train yourself in godliness. You need to train yourself in leadership. You need to train yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything. When it comes to kingdom growth and training, it takes intention, it takes discipline, it takes focus, it takes your engagement, Right? Listen to me, all growth actually comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from Christ. But to abide in Christ, to abide in Christ is something that you must choose. You must exercise your faith. You must put your faith to work as you take action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Listen to me, faith without works is dead. In other words, it's not real faith. Real faith causes you to put in the work. Putting in the work without faith is also dead. It's just putting in work and that's human beings trying to be godlike, trying to be good on their own strength. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you believe in the Lord, that means you also believe that he gives you grace, he gives you strength, he gives you the power to become like him, the power to live for him. The power to do the good works you were created for. That's good news. So if you have real faith, it means you got to put it to work. 
Love for God looks like obedience to God. Love for God looks like a disciplined, ordered life according to the word of God. Come on, this is good stuff right now. You need to be writing down what I'm saying to you. You need to take it to heart. Have that good soil that takes the seeds of truth. Hear what I'm saying, oh young man, oh young woman. This is so important. This is life transforming stuff. So today we're going to talk about the law of the inner circle. Super powerful. And especially if you're at the head of the year and you're ready to embrace a new school year, a new season, or let's say you're going to embrace a new goal, a new challenge. There's something you want to accomplish. Anytime you're about to transition into something new, this principle is so important. Because listen, this law says, as what's in your notes here, a leader's potential or a person's potential is determined by those closest to them. Your potential is determined by those closest to you. That's really important. Some people say, look at the closest five people to you in your life. And I'll tell you who you are and how far you can go in life. I'll tell you how much success you'll have in life. How much you can accomplish in life just based on your inner circle of people around you. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. In other words, the Apostle Paul knew, the Holy Spirit knew that people influence each other. We influence each other. We are meant to be influenced by each other. Therefore, make sure you're putting the right people around you. It affects everything. And here's the thing too. Here's the, this is in your notes. Write this down. No one does anything great alone. I'm going to say that again. No one ever does anything great alone. I said this to someone the other day when we were going on a jog or a run. I think it's a South African proverb. It's not necessarily in the Bible, though the principle itself is in the Bible. It says this, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you got to go with others. You got to do it with community, with family. Because you got to realize you can't do everything alone. No one is an island unto themselves. No one is truly a self-made person. We all receive help in different ways along our path, along our journey. Now hear this, look. This is another writer downer. Even Jesus did not operate alone. Hear me, Jesus teaches us all truth. Jesus was the truth, okay? And he himself shows us, tells us, reveals to us that he didn't do things alone, we're not to do things alone. Now look at this. this we're going to run down this quickly where you can see in your notes, in your fill in the blanks. One, when we think about the plan of salvation, one, it was the Father's will and plan. It was the Father's will and plan. But not, that's not all. So it wasn't just Jesus and the Father. The Father had a plan and a will. But, in your next fill in the blank, the Spirit's empowerment is how Jesus accomplished what he did. 
The Spirit was working with the man, Christ Jesus, according to the will of the Father. These three were in cahoots together. <laughs> they were in partnership. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were working together for a great plan. Jesus was not operating alone. He submitted to the will of the Father to do the Father's will under the leadership and power and anointing and strength of the Holy Spirit to do what he did. Jesus could not do the mission alone. He needed a team. He needed a family. And that was found in the Godhead. Next, what about this? The angels aid. That's your next fill in the blank. The angels aid. Jesus had help from angels. Messengers from God. You know, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by the devil himself, he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, no food for 40 days, 40 nights. He was weak. After he overcame the temptation of the devil, do you know what happened? You know what the Bible says? It says the angels came and ministered to him. Angels came and ministered to Jesus to strengthen him, to help him. Think about that. This is a really cool thought. Jesus was not operating alone. And if he wasn't operating alone, certainly we can't operate alone. We need the Spirit's help. We need the oversight and leadership and plan of the Father. Now we need Jesus who advocates for us, forgives us, sends us the Holy Spirit. We also need angels' help. The Bible says the angels literally are ministering spirits that are meant to help the children of Abraham, you and me, who are to inherit salvation one day. If we're to be saved, guess what? The angels help you along the way. That means you also need to expect heaven's help. How about this? Jesus also had his natural family. Mary, Joseph, Jesus had brothers, cousins. Jesus grew up as a young boy, grew in wisdom, grew in favor, grew in stature. Jesus learned obedience by learning to obey Mary and Joseph, knowing that that was ultimately Father God's plan and will. Jesus was a, a Jew born under the law. He had to work with his family to become the man who was perfected in obedience that becomes the author of our salvation. How about his disciples? Jesus, when he began his ministry, healing the sick, preaching the gospel, raising the dead, cleansing the leopard, casting out evil spirits. Guess what? He wasn't operating alone. He had the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father was teaching him every day, telling him what to do every day. But his disciples were with him, working with him, going from town to town, going ahead of him, helping get things ready for him. The disciples were working with Jesus to accomplish the mission. And then... When Jesus went to heaven and sent his spirit, guess who was carrying out the work for Jesus? Disciples. And that's also now you and me. Jesus did not operate alone. That's never his plan. He never wants us to operate alone, but in community, in family. And now that's us in the church, the body of Christ. We are, as the Bible says, the church is Jesus's very body on the earth, the fullness of him. That's incredible. God who lives in the midst of his people, who lives in us and among us. But then here's one other last point in terms of Jesus not working alone. Jesus also had the testimony of the scriptures. 
and all the prophets that went before him. Jesus came according to thousands of years of prophecy. Those testified of him, those helped him on the mission. He could point to them and say, hey, was it not written about the Messiah? Jesus understood who he was and who John the Baptist was and what his role was, what his mission was, what his purpose was because of the scriptures and because of the prophets. Everything was serving a bigger mission and plan. Jesus didn't operate alone. We are not to operate alone. So write down this principle. It's right there and you're filling the blanks. God operates as family and God operates as team. God operates as a family and as a team. We need to learn to do the same. And that's why, as in other lessons, it's so important to learn to be a team player. To think of the bigger picture. That's where servanthood comes into play. Right? That's where the law of victory comes into play. Because unity and diversity of skills and other things like that are so essential. That inner circle principle, laboring together for a bigger vision and mission, is what it's all about. Again, think about making a movie or a sports team. You have to have so many roles. You know, in making a movie, thousands of people have a job making one movie, making one scene. You have people that are the actors. You have people who wrote the script. You have people that are holding microphones. You have people that are working with the lighting. You have people who design the artwork on the scene. You have people afterwards who are editing the videos, coloring the videos. Then you have people that are adding in music. You have all these people doing different things, collaborating together for a beautiful presentation or work. It's the same thing for us, working as a team. Listen to what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa was an amazing woman who went and served the poorest of the poor in India. Became a very influential woman. She was a nun who gave her life to help the needy. And she influenced kings and queens and nations all over the earth and taught us, has modeled for us the, the compassion and love of Jesus. She said this. This is beautiful. The quote's right there in your notes. You can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. Together, we can do great things. That's awesome. In other words, I honor who you are. You have different gifts, skills, and abilities than I do, and that's awesome. But I have skills and abilities that you don't, and that's awesome. And so together, we can do awesome things for Jesus. God can actually make himself known through us in a more beautiful, fuller way. So remember, when it comes to coming together with others, as I said out of 1 Corinthians 15, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. That means you may start well, you may have great intentions, you may be a great kid, wanting to do right, wanting to do good, thinking pure thoughts, living purely. Guess what? you start hanging around people and letting them influence you in the wrong way. And you consistently surround yourselves around those people. They literally are going to influence you, influence your thinking and your behavior in a way that is not good. And it can lead your life down a destructive path. Friends, that we have to guard against. 
right there in your notes, it says this, what and who, more importantly, who, you let influence your life, is that's what's going to come out of your life. What's in your heart comes out. So you have to watch what influences your heart. Your inner circle of people shapes, write this down now, your inner circle of people or the inner circle of things in your life shapes your beliefs. What you really believe. That's a fill in the blank. It shapes your thinking, your thoughts. It shapes your emotions. That's one reason why the Bible says don't hang around a violent, angry person because you will learn their ways. Actually, the book of Proverbs written by the wisest person on the earth, guess what? More than anything else, it's warning you about who to associate with and who not to associate with. Who influences you? Because God knows the power of influence. It shapes your decisions. That's another fill in the blank for you. Who you hang around with influences the decisions you make. And therefore, they also influence your final one, your actions. Your actions. Listen, and so to be a warrior means you have to have a strong inner circle of people that you seek out advice from, that you turn to for support in your life, but that you also rely on to get things done. Now, those are three different functions if you didn't pick it up. There's people you, that you need to seek advice from. The Bible says, don't stand in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, when you want opinions and advice on stuff for your life, don't go to someone who doesn't love Jesus, who doesn't know the word, who's very immature. You don't need their opinion for your life. Look at me. I know a lot of friends and peers and other kids that they go to other peers that are not doing the right thing to get their insight. You don't need that. That only will influence you wrongly. The Bible says, seek the counsel of the godly. So you need mature, godly people who love the Lord, who know the word of God to speak into your life. Number one, that should be your parents. And number two, there may be other godly mentors, youth pastors, ministers, spiritual mamas and papas in your life. Mature brothers and sisters, older brothers and sisters in the Lord that your parents approve of, that are speaking into your life. You need those type of people also supporting you. But then you also want to be working together with people that can actually help you get things done. Come on, have you ever been on a team where you just have the majority of the team that don't want to do anything to pull their weight, they don't want to do anything to help the project get done. If anything, they just distract you, pull you away from what's supposed to get done. And then the whole team suffers and you're frustrated. You don't, if you have the choice, of course you got to make do with what you got, but if you have the choice of what time of team you're going to play on, then you have to make the right choices to put the right people in your path. Okay? So I want you to think about this real quick. Now as you can see in your prompt, I want you to write down who are your three to seven people. Three to seven people that you, that should be in your inner circle. The influential people. Now think adults, think friends, think peers. Who are the most powerful, positive, godly influences you want in your life? 
Now look, you might be thinking too, if it's according to one of your goals or desired skills that you want to develop, you want to say, wow, what are these? Where are the people that are doing what I want to do, that love the Lord, and are going to do this with integrity? I want to surround myself with these people who can teach me, influence me. You know, when I tell parents when they're choosing a dojo or a martial arts school, who you learn martial arts from is really important because martial arts is more than punches and kicks and takedowns. Martial arts is about respect. And more than that, consider a Christ-centered way. You have some people that do martial arts and get into dark philosophies attached with their training that are not according to the Bible. And if you let an instructor who, a sensei, a professor, a guru, call him whatever you want, whatever style, a coach, who is in a place of influence, if they are not of the same values and do not have the same spirit and heart that is right and good and according to the word of God, you need to consider potentially a different place to train until you are deeply settled in the gospel and in character to where you can be an influence and not be shaken. Who influences you is very important. So write down three to seven people. And then you have to be very honest. This isn't about being mean to other people. But you do have to be able to say, who is not a good influence in my life? And you should probably write that down too. Who are the three to seven people you want in your inner circle? They're going to empower you, help you, challenge you, bring you to the next level of faith, of life, of training. Who's going to inspire you to be better? To be the best version of you in Christ. Write those people down. And then you need to be very honest with yourself. And write down what is not good. Who is not good in my inner circle for me right now in my life. This isn't about being mean. It's about recognizing their influence. But it also might mean, hey, you know what? Maybe I just need to step up and speak up and go to them and tell them. You know what? I'm not going to do this anymore or talk about these things anymore or I don't want to watch these things anymore or you know what? I want to start listening when we're in class or when we're doing this. I don't want to be distracted. And hey, if you're not going to stop trying to distract me, then I can't hang out with you. Sometimes you need to speak up for yourself and be brave and exercise that warrior spirit because you want something better. But you also might need to write down what's distracting you and not influencing you when it comes to what you're reading or listening to, or watching, or what you're spending your time doing. That's also part of your inner circle. What you're letting into your life that regularly influences you. Identify the things that are good. Identify the things that are bad. And I'll tell you, you'll develop a winning success circle. You know, I'll finish with this. It's at the bottom of your notes. It says, run with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. That's right out of the Bible. Paul tells Timothy, his son in the faith, hey, I want you to call out to God with those who are calling on the Lord with a pure heart. In other words, get around other people who are on fire for Jesus. In Ecclesiastes, it says, when you run with the wise, you become wise. Because remember, who you hang around influences you. If you want to become stronger, hang around strong people. You want to become uh, financially wealthy, hang around financially wealthy people. Because you're going to learn habits and skills on how to do that. 
You want to learn great martial arts? Hang around a great martial artist. You want to hang around someone that loves the Word of God because you want to grow in the love of the Word? Hang around someone who loves the Word of God. That's the idea. Whoever, you running, whoever you're running with is going to influence your life, either for the good or for the bad. And so the law of the inner circle stands true. You have to determine what type of inner circle you're going to have. If you want to do great things, you must develop a great inner circle. Because you'll only go as far as those closest to you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the principle of this truth, this reality. Teach us, God, that as we embark into a new season or into a new initiative, that we take the time to cut out the negative influences around us and we put in place the powerful positive influences into our inner circle, that we would mobilize a team of people, friends, mentors, resources, all that's necessary for us to achieve what you called us to achieve, to grow where you called us to grow, to stand in the love of God and in the truth of God faithfully. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Give us grace to make hard decisions and give us the joy and expectation of the reward of being surrounded by the godly, by that which leads to godliness. Lord, we love you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, and thanks for tuning in today and joining us on Bushido Bites. Make sure you download the associated resources that go along with today's lesson and be sure to take action. Write down your insights and applications. Engage in discussion with your family and those in the same journey of growth. As warriors, we discipline ourselves in the godliness by the grace of God. Every day is a training day. Every day is a day to grow.